Michael, you're very welcome to the podcast. Michael, I know you've got a, an incredible background in storytelling and your site, www.storymastery.com, uh, has, has an awful lot of resources on it. But could you tell me a little bit about your own background in storytelling, how you got into that discipline in the first place? Absolutely. Um, well, I, I'd like to think it was, it was formal and well-organized and so on. It's this simple. Since I was, well, as long as I can remember, I imagine probably three or four I saw my first movie, I always wanted to work in the movie business. And so knowing nothing, I mean, just riding in on the turnip truck and falling off in Hollywood, I just went there because I thought this is something I would love to be a part of. And this was well into my 20s because I had already taught school and, and things like that. But I thought if I'm ever going to do this, I better do it. So I went to Hollywood and I saw a little ad for a film school uh, not with a degree or anything, but just you take classes and you learn what you need to learn. And one of the classes I took was called story analysis. And that's just the formal term for being a reader. And that means you read scripts or novels occasionally. And in the publishing world, lots of novels, but mostly you read a screenplay, you write a synopsis of it, you make a comment about it. And then you give that to the agent who hired you or the producer who hired you because they don't want to read all the terrible scripts that you have to read when you're a reader. And uh, I, I was good at that, I, or I developed that. I was, didn't know I was, but I, I could make a pretty succinct uh, synopsis. And it was the greatest education because there is nothing more enlightening than seeing a lot of bad examples because I started to right. see that consistently the scripts that I was reading, which were generally awful, because these were people who just thought, they see a movie and they think, that looks easy, I can do that, so they send it off. But I started to see consistent things that were being done that ruined the script, and then I compared them to the movies that worked, or the movies I loved, or that were coming out and actually even getting made. And then I started to develop what's the difference, and then, out of that, I start. besides getting jobs for producers, once I had done that for a while, just for agents on a piece basis. So I started working my way up the ladder in Hollywood in development, it's known. So I was involved in developing screenplays. So I not just read them and synopsize them, but I'd meet with writers and I'd come up with ideas and so on. But I started teaching because I'd always wanted to teach grown-ups. And I started teaching screenwriting from the point of view of someone who doesn't write scripts but is on the receiving end. And then that developed or that evolved into a weekend seminar that I started taking around the country. And then I started taking around the world. And uh, people would then say to me, would you read my script if I paid you? And I thought, Okay, because I never come up with these great business ideas on my own. Somebody has to hit me up the side of the head to give me, and I thought, gee, maybe I could make money doing that. So I did, and then I wrote a book called Writing Screenplays That Sell, and ever since, and we're talking about like 30 years ago now, that has been my main activity. I either write about storytelling, I, I lecture about storytelling, or I coach people on stories. It started out in Hollywood, then that expanded to novelists, and then 
People in business started asking me because again, it wouldn't have occurred to me, but uh, there were a couple internet marketers who approached me and say, I really like this video you saw called The Hero's Two Journeys, or I read your book and I, I would really like to know about that for what I do. And that evolved into what I mostly do now, besides my work in Hollywood, which is still continues, but my primary activity now is helping people in the business world take the principles of storytelling that Hollywood has mastered and does so effectively and so lucratively. I mean, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry just of what Hollywood's doing. Uh, and applying those to any situation in business because at its core the principles of story are the principles of story and the reason they're so valuable to know if you're in the business arena is because stories are all about eliciting emotion and when you think about a movie the way movies work is the audience becomes engrossed in the story and then they start identifying with the character, the hero of that story, and they start having that emotional experience they're having. If you can take that principle and look at stories in business as someone who that by eliciting emotion, by making an emotional experience, we can talk about how you do that, but by making an emotional experience, you, you, uh, you grab or you seduce or you get the attention of your prospect, let's say, if you're in sales or uh, your potential customer, client, or whatever. You get their attention, you get them emotionally involved, and then you tell a story that gives them the emotional experience of working with you or using your product or achieving the success that the person in the story achieves and they think, I wanna do that. I wanna have that emotional experience for real. And that's what's gonna draw them to you know, buy your product or hire you as a consultant or whatever your arena is. So it was just taking those basic principles of using story to create an emotional experience and then and applying them to a business situation so that you can achieve the goal of getting the audience for that, getting your prospect or your listener, or your reader of that story to take whatever action you want them to take. And here I am, and <laughs> that's what I do. That's a, fa a fascinating story in itself. I, I, and it's funny because I, I came at storytelling from a completely different perspective in that, to me, stories were always about fantasy, people's imagination. It was almost like, you know, what's the story is, could, could have been a euphemism for What's the excuse? It was never necessarily about the truth. Now, I know it's not, but it's interesting. I was watching a Steven Spielberg movie one night, Amistad. Uh -huh. And there is this pivotal uh, scene in this movie where John Quincy Adams, who's played by, who's the guy? Hannibal Lecter. He played Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, he played by him. And he's, he's brought into it by this group of abolitionists. So uh, I, I'm sure you, you, you know the movie, but for any of our listeners who don't, it's a, it's a movie about a mutiny above, aboard a slave ship. The slaves are captured, and there's this courtroom drama between the Queen of Spain who's trying to claim ownership and these abolitionists who want to free them. And it's all gone all the way to the Supreme, Supreme Court, and they want to enlist 
uh, Adams help who in his previous life before he's president was, was an attorney. And they said to him, you know, what would you do? The, the, the abolitionists who needed his help were asking, what would you do? And he said that in, in, as a young attorney, he learned that through much trial and error that in a court of law, it wasn't the facts, it was the best story won. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that sitting there and it was like this two by four between the eyes that it was so true. I began to think about all those high profile court cases you see, that it was always about one side telling one story and another trying to create another story. And it was the one that the story that people believed the most. That was the O.J. Simpson trial came to mind at the time. And I remember thinking that if, if these legal eagles, that's what they're doing. That's their, that's their toolkit to persuade an audience uh, uh, what they should believe in, to create that emotional attachment you were talking about. Then it must be something that works outside of Hollywood. It has to be something that has profession, I would say professional, Hollywood is professional, of course, but in, in a business context, it has to have that. How did you, how did you make the leap between the Hollywood side of things and working with business leaders and helping them craft stories? Well, I don't know if I'd regard it as a leap because as I said, I was kind of drawn into it. I didn't, wake up one morning and say, gee, this works in Hollywood. I know, let me apply it to business. It hadn't occurred to me until people in the world of internet marketing and then later um, business executives and so on came to me and said, this is really fascinating what you do. I'd like to know more about it because we're already using stories. Internet marketing, it's not, this is new to use stories. Uh, it goes back centuries, of course. And so, then what I needed to do is find out what was their objective and how might these principles apply. And so the, the turn came when I realized, okay, you're really in business if you're telling a story. Your, ultimate, your, your primary goal has to be the same thing, and that is to create an emotional experience to get that listener, that audience member, in this case, your, your prospect, let's say, emotionally involved. But then I started thinking, okay, what, how do you do that? You create a hero. Well, who is the hero of this story going to be? Who's the protagonist going to be? Well, if you make that protagonist yourself, then you want to tell a story that is emotionally involving, but also gets your audience your prospect to empathize with you to make you the hero of the story meaning they identify with you so that story needs to somehow be one that is going to take you on a journey that you want your audience to take because that's what happens when you go to the movies it's like people buy tickets to movies because they want to be there they want to do this it has that same emotional quality it's not you know, uh, it's whenever somebody comes to me with a script idea and they say, this is, it's just so interesting. And my, I, I, I'm nicer about it than this, but I say, people don't go to the movies because they're interesting. They go to the movies because they want to feel something. So mm. you need to create stories about yourself that make you the hero, but the hero, not because you're heroic, but because you went on a journey to find some kind of success that the audience 
inherently wants along with you, that, that it's a journey they want to take, and then you apply it to their real life. So all the only difference is that in the movies, the goal of the movies is to get people to just get into the theater and watch the movie, to get butts in seats. In business, the goal is slightly different. It's to use the story to persuade that person to take some action you want them to take, and they will take that action if they feel that doing so is going to lead them to the same success that the hero of that story has. So that's why I emphasize a lot, not just telling stories about yourself, but telling stories about satisfied, successful, successful customers, clients, um, whoever, whatever you're marketing, because then it's very, it's, it's, that's, that's who you want your audience to become. You want to give them the experience of this is what it's like to use my product and look at the success you have subconsciously as you hear the story. So you're going to do that again. I don't know if that exactly answered your question, but the connection became very clear once I got into it, that you're still using the same principles. The only shift is you're using them to persuade somebody to do something when they finish hearing the story. No, it's, it's perfect. Uh, something in your book, though, Storytelling Made Easy, that you talk about as well when writing personal stories is you caution people in that you have to be careful where you cast yourself as the hero, mm -hmm. then what you're automatically doing is casting others as maybe bit part players in that story, that you have to be careful of that. And then you say to really kind of take it to another level, if you can write stories about your customers and put them, cast them as the hero in the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the key is this, the trick is this, that if you're going to be the hero of the story, you don't want to be a hero who starts as a heroic character. In other words, people who get on the stage who essentially say, um, I am a great success. I'm a multimillionaire and I did it because I did these things and I just, uh, now I'm going to give you the information about how you can be where I am. That's not as in, it can work because sometimes we just think, yeah, I want to be a millionaire just like you are, but it's not as emotional. It distances us. The story you want to tell is all the, the origin story, the, the personal story, your signature story should be the story about the journey you took to get to where you are or to get to some realization, some state of being, some kind of happiness or success. Because if you come in and at the beginning of the story, paint a picture of yourself or, or present yourself as the hero, as someone who everyone can identify with because you're struggling or you're, you're in some crisis or you're suffering some pain, you're in a terrible job or you have acne or you, you know, want to be, find the love of your life or whatever it is your product or your service is going to do for them. Because if you share in your story, at the beginning of the story, if you're a character who suffers the same kind of pain that your audience does, now they're going to empathize with you. Now they become you. And if you then tell the story of how you became very successful, 
that's a journey they want to take. So they will be connected to you and trust you and empathize with you all the way through. So that's the concern about uh, stories about yourself. If it's just, I know this and I know this and I know this, let me tell you the wisdom I have. It's not as powerful because we gotcha. won't feel that degree of empathy and trust. That, that makes perfect sense. And, and, and as you say that, I, I wonder as well if, if that's the reason why a lot of startup organizations are initially successful and then often fail to scale or grow because the founders are very, they have a strong origin story. They use it to raise money. They, they use it to get those early customers on board. But as they scale and they bring others on board who maybe are not so well versed in telling the, that origin story, they lose the traction in the market. I, I, I'm sure that's a joke. Well, it's so complex. There's, a, no, it's, there's, it's another, just there's another reason I would add, and that is, okay, you've got your origin story, but if you keep telling stories about your business, success stories, they're stories about how you became a successful business owner, let's say. But your audience doesn't want to be a successful business owner. They want to you know, lose weight. <laughs> okay. So you're telling a story with a goal and a, a level of success they're not looking for. That's why origin stories where you say, I was overweight and I couldn't lose it until I found this secret. And now I can share, and this is the journey I went on to discover that secret. But then from then on, don't keep telling stories about how great your business is. Only tell stories about your, your successful clients who were able to lose weight or get healthy or whatever it might be. Now, you can continue to tell stories about yourself, but they should be designed to impart some principle or some quality that either creates more connection and trust for your business. So it's not so much about successes. This is how I learned uh, the value of honesty, let's say, or this is when I realized that the most important thing in becoming healthy is being able to listen or whatever. I just made that up. That can be a, a personal story that would still work because now it's let me share with you how I came to a realization that if you employ this as well, you're going to, it's going to help you on your road to success. But you want to arm yourself if you're going into any kind of sales situation, let's say, whether it's a sales pitch, whether you're in front of a room and you're trying to get people to buy products in the back of the room, or you're just trying to get people interested in your product or service. Anytime you're in a situation like that, you have to have among your arsenal of stories, stories about people who you have already helped or who have already benefited from the service of the product that you're advertising. I want to talk to you in a moment, Michael, about how much detail you need to put into your story, how much is too much, how much is not enough. Before I do that, though, something that jumped out at me from your book and it really hit me, and I've been working with stories a long time, was the line, emotion comes from conflict, not desire. Uh-huh. I don't know why that jumped out at me. Maybe it's because so many of the stories that people try to tell are always about you know, what I was trying to achieve. That's where they start, you know, with the goal, rather than one day I woke up and something happened. Yeah, exactly. And, and 
there's several reasons. One, if you just think, think about movies, okay? Let's go back to that for a second. So let's say we're hanging out and, say, and I say, uh, you want to go see a movie? And you say, yeah, what's, what's playing? And I say, well, here's a movie about a guy who wants to make a speech. Okay, well, your, your answer would probably be, well, what else is there? Because you want to see action. You want to see so and so and so and so. It would, it would, because the desire to give a speech is kind of banal and familiar and who cares? And you're not a speaker. But if I said, oh, well, this is a movie about a, a guy who is the, a prince who is in line to take over the, th whose brother is going to be king, he occasionally has to give speeches, but he has a horrible speech impediment that arose from being abused as a child. And then his brother abdicates, so he has to become king of England, give speeches with this horrible stammer, and ultimately give the speech that's gonna lead his country into World War II. Now, all I did there to describe the king's speech was I just racked up the obstacles. He's got to stutter. He was abused. He's got to be a king when he doesn't want to be or doesn't think he's qualified. He's got to give a speech that the most, arguably one of the most important speeches of the 20th century. Okay, now it starts to perhaps become interesting. The fact that it won Best Picture Oscar <laughs> did very, but ultimately it, what makes that movie so entertaining, so involving is not the goal it's the obstacles, even the obstacles he had with his speech coach, because Lionel Logue was just making him do things he wasn't comfortable doing. So I think if you th think about any movie that you love, if you say, well, what are, the, what are the moments in that movie I really remember? Apart from funny lines of dialogue, if it's a comedy, chances are the set pieces, the scenes you recall, either involve obstacles the hero is struggling to overcome, or scenes that anticipate the conflict, like suspense moments and things like that. Well, it's the same with any story. And the way you use that in your own stories is you start out introducing the protagonist, the hero of the story, whether it's you or your successful client, but you always put them in a place where they're stuck in some kind of painful situation. There's immediate conflict. Even if they're not taking any action for it, either they're a victim in some way, they're stuck in a bad job, or they're lonesome, or depends what you're trying to market. But you start right out getting, because it's that conflict that's gonna create the empathy. We feel sorry for them, or we worry about them, or they help others with conflict, so we like them. And then something happens that adds even more conflict, that first uh, crisis, I call it. Something's gonna force them to take action. And that's when they lose their job or they get a diagnosis from the doctor or they meet the woman of their dreams, but they don't even know how to talk to her or whatever that is. And now they decide, okay, I've got to find a way to do, to achieve this goal. That's where you or your product comes into their life. Or that's when the key piece of wisdom that allowed you to succeed comes into your life. And then you start and then you go through the steps or a couple of the steps that you or that hero had to take. But if you don't include the obstacles, you do your, your, your story comes up short for two reasons related to the conflict. One is 
that without the obstacles, if you, if you tell a story, and then this person hired me as a consultant, and from then on it was easy street, and the next thing you know, they had a million, they were a millionaire. Okay, number one, boring, because the story's like, oh, but what happened, you know? And if you, so if your implication is, well, buy my product and everything's gonna be great, which is something that an ad might try to do because it doesn't have enough space, but in a, in, a, in a story, it's not gonna have the emotional involvement of they were going along good and then this happened and they didn't know how are they gonna deal with this step, even if it's a step you were, they were taking under your guidance. So you lose the emotion, but there's another reason to add that conflict and that is just when, you're, when you hear those stories, when you see on TV those ads, make it say, buy this and everything's gonna be golden. Do you ever buy, do you really buy that? It's like, okay, we have a new, Where's the have catch? A new eating program. In, the, in our program, you can be a couch potato and eat potato chips all week, and in one week you'll be 10 pounds lighter. It's like, okay, that's bullshit. So, so you're not gonna, it's like people, when they hear your pitch, so to speak, when they hear this story and you're trying to persuade them of something, our mind, the way our minds work is we immediately start thinking of, why will I not be able to do that? Why will that not work? Because it's our instinct to resist change. So if you put in obstacles that the hero of your story faces and you help them overcome them, or they overcome them using your process or your product, now you've not only added emotion, you've not only made it more credible, you've now knock down one or two of the main obstacles your prospect might have in actually paying you money. Michael, I've just had a major light bulb moment listening to okay. you. Okay, good. And I, and I hope people listening to the podcast have had the same light bulb moment because what you've just said essentially is, we talk a lot about objection handling in sales, but what you just said is, you take people through those objections, which are the obstacles you talk about. You bring them up, but you put them in a real world context. So you're talking about other customers who have gone on this journey and here's the obstacles that they've overcome. Here's the, maybe the doubts, the mental doubts they've had. Maybe here's some of the physical obstacles that they had to overcome, depending on, on, on what people are selling. But essentially what you're doing is you're, you're, you're taking all of the, objections that are, are, are likely to come up and you're knocking them on the head and you're allowing the listener, the, the, the prospect to insert themselves into that story and come on that and come out the other end without a lot of resistance and anguish and, and, and objections. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's try a little experiment here and we can talk about that a bit more. So let me, let me use you as the guinea pig, if that's okay. So tell me something that you have in the past or currently market yourself? What is something you try to sell to people? Whether it's a service or a product or coaching or whatever it might be. Yeah, a, a, a training service, okay. sales okay, training. training. Sales training, good. So, and let's pick a context. Do you usually market it by talking to groups, by meeting one-on-one -on -one with people, phone calls, whatever it might be? Okay, it's changed over, the, uh, changed over the years, but mostly marketing it now through uh, blog posts and videos. Okay, so 
I assuming you've had a good amount of experience doing this marketing. What do you know going in are say the two biggest objections, the two biggest points of resistance people have to actually paying you for your program? What are the what are the two biggest reasons that you would hear or they would be thinking this is why I can't do it? Uh, my salespeople won't use it. Uh, or we tried that before and it didn't okay. work. Good. So have you ever had a, a, a person who's gone through your training, who had that belief or who struggled to get their salespeople to use the process, but they, but somehow they were able to get them to and were successful. Yes. Okay. So, yes. So in other words, it's not necessarily true that they won't be able to get their salespeople to do it. There are ways to persuade the salespeople to do it that are built into your program. Is that right? Uh, built into the program, also built into how you, yeah, how you set the program up, not necessarily what happens in the classroom, but how you position it and also what comes after when the trainer disappears, what work takes place with managers and their staff. Afterwards. Okay. So here's what I would suggest. The next time you're talking to a group or you're writing a blog post, if you write the blog post about what to do with salespeople, you know, what to do when your salespeople don't want to, don't want to change, then that blog post should be the story of this one client you find who had that same difficulty, but you coached them to set up the process with them. And through that, they were able to persuade their salespeople to do this. I, I actually just worked with a client recently with that because they have a training program. It's a sales training program in insurance. And so the story we developed is how this client had a client, my client had a client who came to his training program and he went and he was all pumped. He said, oh, this is great. I'm going to do this. He went back and there were, there were the guys who said, yeah, I don't know. They were just sort of lethargic. And then there was the one know-it-all who said, I've been successful for 10 years. I don't really need any of these new things. And so, and so now normally you would think that my client would not want to announce the problems that somebody had after they went to his program. But but what he did is he told the story of what the guy did. What he did to persuade everybody is the next time he got a call, this was in insurance from somebody who might be a prospect. He said, I'm going to take the call. I don't even understand that kind of insurance. I sell another kind, but I'm going to go meet with the guy and I'm going to use the tools I learned at this thing. So the story is about him doing, and it illustrates one of the many tools and by the time he had used the tool in the story, which really happened, that prospect says, well, it seems like my insurance person isn't really doing a good job. How do I work with you? But the story didn't end. Then the guy went back to his uh, fellow insurers and he said, I just, got, I just made this sale for a bunch. And they said, we never, we're never able to make that kind of sale. How did you do it? And then the success story is he persuaded everybody to do it. Now, I didn't. I didn't, we didn't set this up. I didn't say, please use this because I've got a client. But the whole idea is 
now people hearing that story who are already preconceived to think I'll never get anybody to do it. Now they've identified with someone who was able to do it. And now you've knocked down that, that objection. Okay, one more thing. I know I'm on a tear here, but let's say you're in a one-on-one -on -one situation or, or a phone, whatever it is, you're trying to talk somebody into it. And they, and they say, um, what was the other one? Uh, that one was my team will never do it. And the other is that they won't, they won't use it. And the other one was, um, Oh Lord, what did I say? <laughs> um, I have to think about it. Well, they won't use it or it didn't work. We've tried it before and it, that, that, Okay. So imagine going into that meeting and being prepared with a half a dozen different success stories about different clients. Then all you do is go into your bag of story tricks and you pull out the story where you can say, you know, we had a client who had that same situation. He just was certain that, you know, he, he came and he said, we've done this before again and again and again. Now you tell the story about how that person was persuaded to try it anyway and how, how, why this one did work instead of those others. Now the beauty of that story is you're not only directly knocking down the objection they have just given, you're also in that particular story knocking down all the competition. Because you say, well, this person in the story, they tried this sales training program and they tried this program and they tried this program, but none of them had the X factor. None of them had the, now, the X thing that we're providing you. This is really important because what you just said is so true. You've also highlighted something else in listening to you as well as the importance of structure and also planning that story. Now, I know uh, from reading your book that you've, and I, and I downloaded it and it's, and it's, a, it's a fantastic tool. It, it, your, your six stages of, or your six steps to developing exactly. your story. And I, I, so I know people can get that as a download on your website on storymastery.com and people should absolutely download it because I think those stories that you're talking about right now is that you really do have to sit down and work out the details so that when you tell it, you're not kind of going, Ooh, what was that again? And then he said, no, no, he said this, that you absolutely, you know, be crystal clear that you know what, what stories you want to use, you know where to use them, but that they're, when I say pre-planned, that you've thought through the, the structure of how you're going to tell it. Right, I'm assuming, now I'm not a salesperson myself. Actually, I was for two days. <laughs> That's, this is my sum total of my sales experience. I was a door-to-door -door salesman. I lasted two days. This was back in the dark ages, and this was not for me. I didn't know, I didn't know about storytelling back then, but maybe I would have been more successful. But the first thing I'm assuming is if you're, if you hope to be or are a successful salesperson, that you're going to go into meetings prepared. You don't just go in and say, gee, I wonder what I'm going to talk about today. You know what you want to try and sell. At least I, I would assume. <laughs> that, that, that's know. an assumption, maybe Michael. I wouldn't take that too far okay. as, as an assumption. Okay. I, okay, so, but I said, if you are, 
or want to be a successful salesperson, I would guess there's some kind of preparation or rehearsal before yeah. you go into this. Yeah. You, want to, you want to be like an actor, I assume. You want to know yeah. the material so well that then you can vary it a bit and sort of improv a bit. But you know going in. Because, That's it. Because if you're not yeah. doing that, I think you may not be ready for the story. story what? need sales 101. But anyway, so, so yeah, you want to be prepared. And the six steps you're talking about are really fairly simple. In fact, I actually took you through them in the illustration I gave, but I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out. And yes, I have an ebook that if you, we're going to give you a link in a little while and you can link there and get a whole ebook that lays this out in detail and, and makes it very clear. But here are the steps. Step one is the setup. You introduce us to the hero. Now, let me be very clear. I mentioned it, but I want to be sure you understand when I talk about hero, I'm just, that's my term for the protagonist. I'm not talking about someone who's heroic. Usually the opposite. It's someone who is somewhat afraid or reluctant or just an everyday schlub like the rest of us who may become heroic when they find the courage to do what they learn to do in the story. But at the beginning, it's just your main character. So just think of it. So you've got to introduce that character when they were living their everyday life, before they bought the product, hired you as a consultant, used your service, went to your program, or bought your internet program, or whatever it might be. Their everyday life. And when you introduce them, you want to be sure you include that conflict. Either they're a victim of some way, they're in some bad situation or they're in jeopardy they they're worried that they're going to lose their house because they don't have enough money or they've been given a diagnosis that isn't good or they're likable and the way you make someone likable is show how they help other people with their conflicts or they work hard for their family you know and things like that that's the setup then step two you give them a crisis all I mean by crisis is something happens that's going to force them to take action. It can be a bad thing, they lose their job, or it could be a good thing, they inherit $100,000, which sounds great, doesn't it? Until, you know, about 24 hours later or less, you're going to think, what the hell am I going to do with $100,000? I, I barely make ends meet. I don't know how to invest money, so you need to solve that problem. And in response, you're going to try and figure out, the hero's going to try and figure out, what am I going to do? And that's when what I call the guide or the mentor or the coach comes in or the product. They hear about your product. Or if you're a consultant, well, most of your followers are salespeople. I, a lot of mine are consultants. So that's when they meet the consultant. If, if you're a salesperson, whatever it is you're selling, whether it's a service, that's when your hero of your story learned about the service or called up and said, I need your help. That's when you or your company service or the product you're marketing comes into the life of the hero. And now they have a goal that they want. And the more specific that goal, the better. So I want to lose 20 pounds, okay? I want to, in spite of the arthritis I have, I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. Something we can picture that's an endpoint. So that's the crisis. The event and the response to the event that brings the hero into contact with your service or product. Step three is the pursuit. What are one or two of the steps that they take? Don't just say they bought the product and the next thing you know, they 
lost 20 pounds or whatever I said it was, because then your buyer isn't going to know, well, okay, that's great, but what are, what's expected of me? So how do I use this product or what did I have to do? Or what, if, what if, if it's you, if you're a training program for salespeople, they want to know, you can't just say, I got a training program. When you buy it, it's got to say this training program, you will be doing this and this, not every step, but give us some sense of what the process is like and interwoven with that. That's the conflict. What are one or two of the obstacles that you encounter that the hero encountered and how did this product help them overcome those or how did they overcome them? Like the story I mentioned about my client, it was the obstacle was he get back with his program and everybody, you know, they were either out and out resistant or they just were, you know, apathetic and didn't want to do anything. Okay. So what are those and how do they overcome them? Step five uh, is the climax. It's just the moment of victory. That's why you need a goal. So it's the moment where he walks his daughter down the aisle. It's the moment where he made, he, pers he made the deal. And then the climax was when everybody said, we want to use that process because that's what he was trying to do. And then the sixth step, which you might not think of, but is critical, is what I call the aftermath. And that is you want to paint a new picture like you did about, uh, about the hero's life before they took the journey in the setup. Now you want to create a picture of the hero's life after completing the journey. In other words, how has this, how has using your product and achieving that goal affected their life in the long run? So it might be six months later, it might be a year later, if it's a product to help them make money, maybe a year later, they're on the cruise they never got to take. Maybe they're in their beach house or, on a, you know, or, or they're getting to finally take a vacation and play golf or whatever picture you want to paint of that long-term effect so those are those are the six steps so i think though um what let's let's all let's go back to this idea of the resistance that you 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 know knock down i'm curious what what since i we, we can't talk to everybody who's listening to this now but what do you think are a couple things that the people listening to this right now are thinking what I, I I'm asking everyone who's hearing this, think to yourself, what are you telling yourself deep down is the reason you wouldn't be able to use stories because whatever it is, that's the resistance to following. And we're, we're not really selling anything, but it's the same thing where by talking about storytelling, we're asking you to do something that might be out of your comfort zone. So what are the obstacles that we might be hearing if we could talk to the people? I, I, I think when people realize that there is a structure to stories, a tried and tested structure, and they, and they understand that, it becomes a whole lot easier. I think the problem sometimes is that they'll look, they'll go to the movies or they'll read a novel and they'll see that a story is laid out in 300 pages, for example. And, and that's their perception of a story. Or they'll see a friend who... It has everybody gathered around them in a pub telling stories about what he or she did on the weekends and everybody's laughing and they think, I'm not that guy, I can't do that. That can be an obstacle. Or I think sometimes people think, well, stories are something you tell your kids. And that in the adult world, you, you use PowerPoint, you share statistics, you give information. And... I, that's, 
if you're asking me, that's where I think a lot of the the perception, the resistance comes okay, from. Okay, so let's let's look at those for a sec if we can. Let's take the first one is um, I see movies and novels that are bestsellers or hit movies, and I wouldn't be able to do that. Okay, number one, you're right. If you're because to do that, you need to be a professional screenwriter, a professional novelist. But that's not the kind of story you're telling. That is a type of story that lasts. Well, a novel can last, you know, hundreds of pages, but a movie is going to be about two hours long. You're not if you tell a two-hour story to sell, <laughs> you're you've lost that prospect, you know, and still have 55 minutes to go probably. So you're talking about telling a story that is very directed to simply persuading them or trying to persuade them to take a particular piece of action that you want to buy your product or buy your service. It's a much shorter thing. It doesn't have to have all the complexity and the twists and turns or the humor or the suspense and so on. It's just a very simple story. Okay. So, and then, and when you think about that, you've got to, remind yourself you've been telling stories your whole life i mean you may not have applied it to this situation and you may and that's what's out of your comfort comfort zone but i guarantee you've been with friends and they said well tell us about your vacation and then they had to listen to the story about your vacation or whatever it was so you've been doing this a long time all you have to understand is with those six steps it's just make sure the story is what happened with one of your buyers or one of your clients or, or, or who used your service or product that had some success with it. So just tell us what happened. And then if you know what those six steps are, and, and, and they're very simple, I don't even care if you count those, but if you just know when you tell that story, make that, that successful client the hero and, and just be sure you say what made them buy the product in the first place or what brought them to you well what was the dilemma they were in what did they want how did they come to buy your product or your service what were what, what is one of the things they did what was one of the obstacles they had to overcome and what was the outcome you just like it's just the beginning middle and end beginning they they're stuck in a place and have a problem middle they get your product and they use it or learn to use it and end they were successful and now they have a new life. So yeah. it's, this, you don't, you know, you don't have to be, you know, Victor Hugo or, or John Grisham or whoever it is. So you've got to just try it and trust that it's not going to be anything complicated or difficult. It is something you need to practice. But if you practice it and hit those beats, you're going to get there. It's not going to be that difficult. Um, and I might add, oh, and as far as the friend who's getting people to laugh, okay, that's great. Maybe they were, grew up being able, maybe they have a natural gift for humor, but getting people to laugh is, can be helpful in a sales story, but it's not a necessity. All you, what they're doing is they're eliciting a certain kind of emotion. And probably if they're getting people to laugh, they're creating stories about situations with conflict where they were overwhelmed, but then they make it funny because that's a certain kind of conflict that makes us laugh. Don't worry about any of that because you're trying to create a different kind of emotion. You're trying to create the emotion that's just going to get them to empathize with your character 
and imagine going through the process that makes that person successful. So that person in the bar is probably not telling a story about how to become, you know, wealthy. They're probably telling a story about all the hassles they had when they took a trip to America or whatever it was. And as far as being something for kids, yeah, it is. But I think what you're getting at there is there's a belief that when it comes to business, and I hear this from business people a lot, just directly, they don't have the patience to listen to a story. They don't want to hear stories. They just want data. Okay. Here's why. The reason they just want you to get to the data is because they've sat through a lot of really boring sales pitches. Okay. And so, and they don't have a lot of time, but I defy you to find someone who's absolutely immune to the power of story. If the story is emotionally involving, if you hit those beats and you create that empathy and create those, that conflict, they're not going to get up and walk out of the room and say, oh my God, not a story. Not if you tell it correctly, because again, this isn't epic. This is, you, can, you can tell a good story sometimes in 60 seconds. You just pare it down to its essentials. But if you say, well, we had a client who had the same problem you have. And they were able to overcome it by doing this. Now, are they going to stop when you offer to tell them a way you can solve their problem? No. no. So, again, some of it, I suppose you have to take it on faith until you do it a few times. But if you go watch, go watch uh, TED Talks, you know, go online and watch TED Talks, or ask yourself, this executive that, that – um, that uh, I'm that I think is only wanting data. When he goes home at night, does he does he want to have data in front of him, or would he like to watch nope. TV and watch a show that's exciting or funny or whatever? They they can't afford patience for things that aren't to the point or don't move don't get them where they need to be fairly quickly. But stories can do that, and they can do it better than data because all what stories do is they personalize the data and make it emotional because really if you ask yourself this person is impatient do they really want to spend their 10 minutes with you hearing numbers is that really going to be it now i'm not saying don't give them numbers if you say you know the company that did this raised their profit margin by you know 38 percent in one year they want to hear that. That's valuable part of the story too, but you get my point. So, so, yeah. uh, you know, there's a reason we tell kids stories is that's what grabs mm -hmm. them. We want to teach them something. We want to help them change and grow. That's what you really want for your customer. You want them to change and grow. You want them to try your product, something new, but they will benefit from it in the tail end in the other side. And there's some great testimonials on your website as well from business leader, leaders attesting to that, to the power of storytelling and what they've got out from working with you. And we already mentioned that people can get your ebook. I'm just conscious, Michael, we're coming up uh, on the hour uh, that they can get your ebook on your website. I'm going to suggest people don't get your ebook. I think they should go straight to Amazon and buy your book, Storytelling Made Easy, because. Well, when I, I bought the Kindle version and when I opened it, it said uh, an hour 30 to read this book. And that's perfect for a plane ride. Oh, yeah. I it's just that. that you know, it, yeah, it tells you how long it will take. I never looked yeah. at that to see what it is. Yes. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and it's perfect, and it's really well written, and it's laid out. It follows a, a great structure for people who are trying to, who believe in storytelling, but need the, need the structure and need a helping hand through it. it. It really is perfect for people. Well, like that. thank you, thank you for saying that, and that would be great. They can, it can actually be purchased. Well, if you're going to buy the hard copy, I go to Amazon. If unless you're in the states, because that becomes expensive for postage and stuff. Otherwise, the Kindle version you can get to, you can see on Amazon. Or if you come to my website, there's a way to click through and buy it right there. But even if you're going to get it, and I hope you will get the book storytelling made easy you still want to get this free i still suggest you get the free ebook too sure. for a couple of reasons one the ebook has a really nice chart of the six steps that's bigger you can print up and that's nice and big that you can refer to that's helpful but also in the ebook what i do is i take a story um a client of mine wanted a story that he could give in a speech because he speaks a lot to big groups. And so it was a personal story about a marathon he entered and the lesson, sort of life lesson he learned. So he wasn't actually trying to market anything with it, but it's a cool story. You'll enjoy the story and it's got humor and other, you know, it's touching and so on. But I, he told me the story, so I wrote it. But then following that story, I break it down and say, here's how I use the six steps in doing it. So it's a nice illustration. Oh, fantastic. Now, if you want that, go to my website, Storytelling Made Easy, but then type in slash numeral six steps, because it's the six step success story uh, ebook. And then you can, you'll get to a link and you can pop it and you'll, you'll get the book and there you'll be. And we'll put those links in the show notes as well. Michael, I want to thank you so much for sharing your insights with me this evening. It has been a, a, an, an honor and a pleasure for me. You've been extremely generous with your time. Well, thank you. I enjoyed a lot. I'm thinking about how you had mentioned to me it's about 45 minutes. We're now one minute away from an hour. And I was thinking, yeah. even though I said stories can be nice and short, I didn't say I've mastered that skill. I enjoy the conversation and I could listen to you all night. Well, let's so not, Let's uh, not impose that on your followers, but thanks. It's been great talking to you. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody will try this. Just try stories as a sales tool.